0: Hey Besties, thanks for tuning in with us. Life is hard, families are weird, work is tough. So this week we are talking about doing the best we can with migraines.
1: Yes, and today we have a very special guest bestie with us, Katie from the organization Miles for Migraine. So welcome Katie.
2: Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here.
1: We're so excited to have you. Um, So do you want to start off by telling us a little bit about what Migraine is, and what the organization Miles for Migraine does.
2: Sure, absolutely. So um, first of all, I want to let everybody know: June first um, starts um, Migraine and Headache Awareness Month. So um, this entire month is dedicated to um, a migraine and headache aware um, headache disease. And um, I'm not sure if people are aware that purple is the color of, um, for migraine and headache. So if you can wear purple, as much purple as you want this month, um, and there's all different things um, all month long going on for migraine and headache disease. So uh, June 21st is shades for migraine. So um, put on shades and take your picture and post it to migraine media. So, um, but if you take a look um, on Champ's website, um, they have all the different things for, the, for different days, but so it's a lot of fun. So um, the one thing that migraine is not, it's not just a headache. So I'm sure a lot of people have heard people say that migraine is not just a headache and it's way more than that. Um, migraine also affects 39 million Americans and 1 billion people worldwide, so um, it affects 1 in 4 households, it affects 1 in 5 women, and it also affects 1 in 11 children. Another thing, um, talking about that and talking about how many people it affects, migraine um, is the second most disabling disease worldwide. Having said that, um, also, it only receives a 20th of its funding that it should. So, yeah, I don't know. Have you ever heard of Headache on the Hill?
1: I have, but I don't know if our listeners have, if you want to jump a little bit more into what that is.
2: Okay, so um, we go down to um, Washington, D.C. every year, um, and we... Basically, talk to the senators and the congressmen and women. And we go down every year for an ask about migraine. This year, we were asking for money for the veterans. And because they do so much for our country, a lot of times they come back and they have had trauma, and trauma can cause migraine. So most people understand that migraine is hereditary but it also can uh, be caused from trauma and things like that. So we asked for money this year for the veterans as well as for research for migraine. So we'll go down every year and have some type of ask. People will fly in from all over, the, all over our country to go to this event. And um, I've done it the last two years. The fir- my first year was in person, I'm in Delaware. So I got I drove, it was a pretty easy drive for me, obviously. Um, And this past year was virtual. So it was pretty cool. Um, And you go with people in your state and you go meet with your own state um, senators and Congresswomen. So um, we're always asking for more funding because with more funding, we obviously um, can have more research done and we can get more medication for our disease. One thing about migraine is until two years ago, we didn't really have our own medication for migraine. We use medication for epilepsy, um, blood. I'm on epileptic medication. I'm on blood pressure medication. I'm on depression medication. But um, you know, we've come out with CGRP's and things like that. So um, the one thing, another thing with migraine is it um, affects your entire body. So it's not just your head. You'll see people with migraine who um, they'll have dizziness. They, it it affects what they can eat. Um, It affects their vision. It, um, it uh, can affect, I have friends that aren't able to drive because of it. Um, So it's an, it's a whole body debilitating disease. So, do you have any questions about that? and I can tell you a little bit about miles for migraine?
1: Yeah, quickly, I just wanted to ask, has uh, going to the hill been successful? Have we seen an uptake in funding after kind of doing this dedicated lobbying to to get more funding? So
2: it has. Um, it takes um, it takes some time. So we'll put we will put together letters and things like that when we go. And um, we will get results immediately um, from like we had our letter um, that we did. So we'll, we'll put a letter for each of our asks out. And um, a lot of times we'll have a Congresswoman or man or senator who sort of leads what we're doing. And I can't give you the exact numbers, but after our day on the Hill, we might have had um, 14 people senator sign our letter, and a certain amount of Congress women and men sign our letter. Um, I might have been the other way around, actually. But so we get results back, and so it's really exciting to see. And um, for the work that we do, you know, just in a day, really, um, it's it's exciting. So then it will sit, you know, it'll sit on the Hill, and it will it'll get circled around and then we also stay in touch with the people that we've spoken to and um, keep asking them to um, a lot of times we'll, we'll work with their, um, their staff. So we, we want to speak with our own Congresswomen and senators. We hope to get them in front of them, or I hope to, to get them on my zoom calls, but a lot of times you're working with um, with their staff. Mm-hmm. But um, I was lucky, lucky enough to have my congresswoman signed mine. Um, so yeah. it's it, you, you get results in like a week, we'll get some results back. So um, a few days later, he sent me a message and he said, um, Congresswoman uh, Lisa Blunt Rochester signed yours. And I was like, yay. That's so <laughs> so exciting. it is, it is. So again, it was my second year. So to, to hear back so quickly that, you know, he got it to her and she signed it and stood behind us was really exciting. Yeah. So anyway, it's a really, really empowering experience. So, um, so miles for migraine. Yeah. So, um, we, um, we are all about migraine disease Um, it's my, um, miles for migraine started, um, just to take a step back in 2008, um, by a woman named Eileen Jones, and she started a race. There were, um, maybe there were 200 people at her first event, but it was in San Francisco and she started, um, the event at San Francisco's golden gate park in 2008, and then, um, Shirley Kessel, who is our executive director now, um, she has migraine in her, I think she has three daughters and I believe two of them have migraine. And one of them has migraine very severely. And she had to, um, miss put, drop out of school and it, it was bad. And so she and her daughter, um, went online to, um, research migraine like what can we do where can we go who can help us other than our doctor and she came across miles for migraine so she reached out to eileen jones and uh shirley said i wanted to start a, she's from this area philadelphia area and she said i want to start a, an event in philadelphia and so she did and then she um said i want to do another race and i guess um a friend said you need to do this you need to do more. Well, Shirley, it became a full-time job. She quit her job and she, be- she designated herself as executive, di- executive director for Miles for Migraine. And um, in 13 years, we now have 24 um, run, walk and relax events throughout the country. Um, we have um, 12 education days We have support groups six days a week. We have um, education days for teens, support groups for teens and parents. We have mindfulness events um, every Thursday evening. Um, Oh, we do have social events as well. So what we pride ourselves on are in-person events. So we believe that building a community of people that have migraine is probably the most important thing. So we're one of the, we're, I believe we're the largest nonprofit that has in-person events. Now this past year with virtual, you know, kind of changed what we had to do. We pivoted, we turned everything virtual and we still were very successful. So what we did with our races we let everybody participate and they could go walk in their neighborhood their local park whatever they wanted but they could still sign up for their walk that they did our education days became virtual our support groups became virtual Um, they all were free but you know people had to sign up on form to get the zoom link Um, so I am the volunteer coordinator and the support group coordinator what I found with my support groups was i had a support group here in delaware in person and i had three people each week that came to my support group so when we became virtual i now have um 18 states in my support group canada and australia wow Yeah. yeah isn't that exciting And I have sometimes 19 people on one of my calls. Um, It just, it became um, kind of the silver lining. You know, we, um, I don't think we, we're going to still have in-person ones, but I don't think we'll ever take away the virtual support groups. And I was kind of nervous about it. I was like, how can you have a support group online when you, when I believe you have to read body language, it's been wonderful for that. Um, People still want in-person, which we will get some in-person, but it's really been wonderful. Um, So, but, you know, our goal, as I said, is to create community. Um, We feel that um, we, it's the most important thing because you don't feel like you're alone. When I first went to my doctor, I just felt like, you know, I went in and out of my doctor and I was alone in my disease until I found miles for migraine. Um, it teaches you about stigma, how to overcome it. We help point people in the right direction if they need help. Um, and we're always there to support each other. And if, um, if someone would reach out to us and say, Hey, I'm in Michigan and I, have been working with my doctor, and I'm not getting anywhere. We can try to help them, direct them, you know, to a, another doctor or to a site where they can maybe find another doctor. So we do all kinds of things. Awesome, awesome work. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm proud to be part of it. Really proud.
0: Katie, you kind of started alluding a little bit too about your experience with migraine and how you've discovered you had this disease and what that journey was like for you. Do you mind just kind of sharing a little bit more about that, especially thinking for some of our listeners who might not know that they are experiencing or suffering this or aren't sure of what this might look like if their friends or family are suffering for this. I think them hearing your experience and your story will help them to even see the signs and what to look for and how to help. So um, if you'd be willing to dive a little bit more into that, I think that'll be really helpful for, for our listeners.
2: Sure, so um, so I mentioned that um, migraine can be hereditary. Um, migraine can um, happen because of I spoke about the veterans who can come back with um, uh, from injury and have migraine. People can get migraine from car accidents, from concussions, from whatever it might be. So my case is a little different. Um, Mine um, is not hereditary. I actually got migraine because I had cancer in my sinuses and my right eye. So um, after I beat cancer, yay. yay. Um, <laughs> I, um, I was, you know, you have all this follow-up after it. My ENT and my, this doctor and that doctor. And so I kept telling them I have a headache again I don't know, I didn't really know about migraine. I have a headache, I have a headache. Every time I went to them, you can see my little journal, my headache is a nine ten. my headache is a nine ten, literally every day, when after this, I was recovering. And so they just said, you know, it's from everything, your trauma. And it took them probably a year or more for them to say, you know, you should probably be a little more recovered than you are. So, and these are medical doctors, you know, these, you know, they just kept thinking I had a headache from the trauma. And so um, they finally said, um, and I'm at Thomas Jefferson Hospital, which has one of the best headache centers. And so they said, we're going to send you over to Jefferson Headache Center. And I said, okay. And um, so, to go to a headache center, you have to go through um, some uh, psychological test evaluation. And so you do that, and then um, you then I went to um, to the headache center. And there's all again all different signs and and uh, if you have a migraine, you can you know you have a migraine if regular medication does not work and or if it works for a very short time. Um, if you have sensitivity to light, to sound, um, if uh, you have aura, sometimes people will see things um, in their eyes and or flashes of light um, that is That could be a sign of um, migraine. And there's all different types of migraine. Um, there's chronic migraine, there's um, vestibular migraine, there is cluster migraine. So there's all different types of migraine. Some people might start with a neurologist because they want to take a CAT scan or MRI of your brain uh, just to rule out anything. And typically you don't find anything. And then um, if you can find a headache specialist only because headache specialists, that's really all they are focused on. Neurologists know about management for migraine, but they also do so much other work. That's just why I always say to people, if you can find yourself a headache specialist and one is near you, that's just what I would recommend. Do you have anything else to add that you can think of?
1: Yeah, I can tell kind of my story and and my journey with. Yeah, yeah. Um, So this topic is obviously really near and dear to my heart. I have chronic migraine. I was about 13 when I first started to get these horrible headaches, nausea, vomiting, light sound sensitivity. And sometimes I do get an aura. So I see um, these spots or I see these almost zigzags that are green and yellow and blue in my left eye. Um, So that's what my aura is like. And so my parents took me to the pediatrician and I was talking about these symptoms and my pediatrician actually said to my mom and I, that I was making it up to get out of school. And so I just continued to kind of tough it out. I rarely missed school. Ibuprofen was like a joke. It did absolutely nothing. Um, and I was continuing to kind of map battle with these migraines. And then when I was 17 or 18, I finally got sent to a pediatric neurologist who figured that I was having migraines, but it wasn't until I was 23 that I actually got into the headache clinic where I am now. So it was 10 years of kind of suffering. No one really knew what it was. No one really knew how to treat it. Um, I kind of was just on my own. Um, And oftentimes doctors didn't even believe it. They're like, there's no way that you can be in this much pain. Um, and so it wasn't until I, I got a spot at the the headache clinic where they're like, Nope, this is pretty much textbook migraine. This is real. Um, and that's when I was really kind of started to be able to get on some treatment methods, but like you touched upon earlier, the, the methods that I was using for years were drugs for different conditions. So you're like trying a little bit of this and they're upping this dose and they're adding this in. And so I've tried tons of different pills and then um, CPRG drugs came out, which is like a specific protein and they're injections you give yourself. That's the whole story for another time. Um, and I even tried Botox. I don't know if you've seen the commercials on TV. I feel like once I got Botox, all I do is see these commercials and I was getting 26 injections in my face, Head, neck, shoulders. It didn't work for me. And I mean, I didn't have wrinkles, I guess, but uh, it was pretty painful. And only in
2: your forehead, you don't have wrinkles. Yeah. Though. Yep.
1: yep. And I was like, you know, I don't know why people do this for fun because there's nothing fun about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe because when you get them in your like neck by your spine, that's not fun, but either way um, Botox is another option. But once again, like it's not created for, for migraine, it's kind of like, oh, we realized this could possibly help. So everything feels like this guess and check game insurance is usually a nightmare of like, you have to try this drug before we'll approve this one. And then you have to be on it for six months, even if it doesn't work. And so I'm constantly like getting letters from the doctor and calling the insurance company and they have no idea what I'm talking about. And then I'm getting bills in the mail and fighting them. So definitely an exhausting process. Um, I personally, right now I'm on um, an antidepressant class drug and that's what I'm trying. Um, I also sometimes will get really bad side effects from medicine I'm trying. So it's kind of like, are the side effects worse than what it's doing. Um, so I go through medicine pretty quickly, um, cause I'll get some pretty bad side effects, but once again, you have to give it at least a three month try for it to kick in and then say like, okay, this was pretty bad. Can we stop now? Um, so it's a lot of like keeping track of how you're feeling, talking to your doctor, emailing the doctor, um, and trying to figure it out, but it definitely, I'm still kind of figuring out what the best medication is. I haven't found that perfect um, cocktail, I guess you could say of what is best for me, but finding the right doctor was was half the battle. Um, And it took me 10 years to be able to find a doctor that was like, this is real, your pain is real. Um, And I believe you. And I think that in itself was just life-changing to not be labeled as um, mentally ill, hysterical, hypochondriac, like those were some of the things that I was told that I was. And I was like, no, there's something wrong. Like, I know that this is not right. And so I really think like continuing to fight, like I went through so many doctors because if they didn't believe me, I just moved on to the next one. Um, But for me with chronic migraine, I'm pretty much in some type of pain almost every day, but it kind of fluctuates. So some days I will have a good day. And then other days I could be curled up in my bed. I have blackout curtains, like crying, ice pack on the forehead just waiting for the pain to pass. So it really kind of depends. And I think what's scary for for me is that you don't really know what your day is going to be, right? Like you could wake up and a migraine could hit you at any time, right? Like people, you work really hard to figure out your triggers and that's what these apps help with. So for me, I know like changes in my hormones or any type of like flashing, flickering, strobe lights, I need to avoid, I avoid boats because like the motion, not gonna be a good time. But there are other things that I could just be at work living my daily life like I normally would. And then boom, in an instant, it like hits me. And now it's like, what is my exit strategy? Um, And it's actually caused me to lose friendships because some people don't understand or they don't get why I cancel plans last minute. They think I'm just bailing. But in reality, it's like, I wish I could be there. Or even like alcohol can be a trigger for a lot of people, or it can't be mixed with medications. So I hate that judgment that comes with like, sometimes I won't drink at events and people are judgy and pushy. And I'm, tra- I'm like, you don't understand. I'm trying so hard to just be pleasant and polite and like be here to support you that this glass of wine you're trying to shove in my face, like is only going to make me vomit in your bathroom. And I really don't want that for both of us. And then other days it's like, okay, I'm having a good day. And I can enjoy that glass of wine. So then there's the judgment of like, well, sometimes you say it gives you migraine. So I think there's just so much that isn't understood in what a migraine is, what causes it, how some days we can be fine and other days we're not. And that it's a condition that you don't necessarily look sick. And I think that's, what's really hard for people is I can be in so much pain and feeling awful but it's not necessarily a disability you can see. And so people tend to say, you don't look sick or um, kind of judge a little more because they think disability, it has to be something you can see or illness, it has to be something that's visible. And believe me, there. There are plenty of times that I wish I could have done that fun thing, but I was too sick. I still think about like six years ago, I was supposed to go on this trip to Venice and I had one of the worst migraines of my life. It lasted pretty much three days. Um, And I never went on that trip, lost the money for it. Still sad that I didn't get to go to Venice, but it's like, that's the reality of like, sometimes out of nowhere, you are just so sick that doesn't matter how much you will and want to go, your body is not letting you. Um, And I think it's also tough, especially like in in working, obviously I have a job, I need health insurance. As I talked about, like I clearly go to the doctor all the time, Um, need an income, not just for rent and food but also all these co-pays and medical things that aren't covered by health insurance. And so people will be like, well, you have a job so you must be fine. Or I'm at work and it's like, I don't wanna go out with my coworkers afterwards because it's tough enough for me to even make it to five o'clock. I just, and so people don't understand, well, if you're really sick, how are you working? And it's kind of like, for me, I don't have a choice. Like what else am I supposed to do? This is how I get my health insurance. This is how I am able to survive. And so I think it's just kind of this constant battle. And I found the people and have valued the relationships with those who get it and understand. And like, I joke, I have this one friend, we were out, um, at like a public place and I like a migraine hit. And I was like, I'm going to throw up. And she was like, okay, trash can, porta potty tree. What do you need? And it was just like, she got it and she was ready to drive me home and do whatever she needed to do. And that's the kind of friend that gets it. And so I'd rather surround myself with people like that, that I know I can be that vulnerable state. I can speak up and say, I'm, I'm unwell, I need help and I'm not going to be judged for it. I'm going to be helped. And so I think you talked so much about community and however you find that community, it is important that you don't feel alone. And that even if you're with people who don't have migraine, that they take the time to listen and understand. And I think that's kind of like my big thing is chronic pain sucks. It's expensive. It comes with the guilt of feeling like a burden or not being a good friend or employee and we often push ourselves too hard and make ourselves sick because we're trying to overcompensate. But if everyone kind of just took that pressure off us and understood us for who we are and where we are, and overall understood that everyone's best is a little different, then I think it would be a better place. So that is my story. And, experience-
2: and, and or, yeah, yeah, your story. Wow. It, it's, um, and that, you know, it started so long and it took you so long to find a a doctor and um you're right it's an invisible disease Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: you know I I am chronic I didn't say that I I'm chronic intractable migraine um every second of every minute of every day I have a migraine and um people can look at me and have no clue not a clue including my family including my husband including my children Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: um there's times they get it and there's times they don't. And there's times, so um, with everything that I've gone through, uh, once I beat cancer, I had I had a regional job for a large assisted living company and I traveled and um, I wasn't able to go back to work. So after cancer, I was like, yes, well, then, you know it just kept continuing because of migraine. And um, so I feel like, you know, migraine took a huge piece of my identity. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people with migraine, that's what happens is you're lucky. I I don't mean it in a um, disrespectful way, but you're lucky that you are able to push through and stay in your job because a lot of people can't and you lose so much of who you are. And so with that, comes a lot of people with migraine have a lot of anxiety, have a lot of depression. Not that you don't because you still could even though you're working. Um, but so you have a lot a lot of people with migraine have depression.
1: Yeah. And
2: um, so what brought me to miles for migraine is my doctor um, and this our walk and run in Philadelphia. He kept asking me to participate and asking me to participate and my daughter played um, lacrosse in college, and the same day as the walk, she had um, uh, alumni lacrosse something at school, and so you know I was always like, I can't. I have her lacrosse thing. I can't. So the fifth year, when he said something, I said, I can go. She graduated from college, <laughs> and so I went, and that was the first time. I didn't feel alone anymore. The very first time again, uh, the Phil, well, not again, the Philadelphia walk is our largest event. We have 700 people there. And I like was sort of walking around just like, I think my eyes were this big, like, Oh my gosh, look at, look at all these people. Not only the 700 are people with migraine, but their family members that support them too. And friends and, and, um, you know, colleagues at work. And, um, it was amazing. It was amazing. And that's when I f- knew I wasn't alone. That's when I fell in love with miles for migraine. And so he said to me, I think you need to go back to work. And I was like, I can't work. I don't know one second to the next when I'm going to feel well, when I'm going to have to lay down. And so that's when Charlie the executive director and I started talking and I met her and she said, you'd be perfect working here. And so I work 12 hours a week for miles for migraine and it's just perfect. And it has taken so much of my depression away because I feel um, useful again. Yeah. I'm not just a mom. I'm not just a wife. I don't just clean my house. I don't just do laundry. I'm like helping people. And also I knew so little about migraine until I started working with miles for migraine. And I learned all this stuff that I had no idea about different kinds of migraine. And it just, it, it took so much of my depression away, but we call it. Um, oh, and you also mentioned something. I, I want to touch back on um, two, two things. So um, we are doing different projects with miles for migraine and um, I'm working with someone and we are going to be going to schools in Delaware and educating nurses because um, just like what you said, I was working with nurses in Pennsylvania before our um, education day. And uh, we all I wanted to do was get, um, we were working with teens in one of our things. And I just wanted to have nurses in the schools in PA refer families to our education days, not give me names, but, you know, I figured nurses would have names of kids in their school that have migraine because they would go to the nurse, right? The nurse would have medication or they go to the nurse and the nurse would have to send them home. And so as I started going to the nurses in, in high schools, I reached out to, they said, you know, when people come to us, when kids, when students come to us, the first thing we ask them is whose class are you trying to get out of? And are you trying to get out of a test?
0: Oh gosh.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I said, wait a minute. Um, You don't ask them about like this pain, their pain scale or what they're feeling like, or did they get sick in the bathroom or, um... and they were like, no. I'm like, do you keep a list on how many times they come to you each month or each quarter or no? I was livid and this was only after I was working at miles for migraine, like two months. So again, I'm just learning everything. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we're going to be going out to schools. Um, starting in July and doing this education process because we just found out these are nurses. These are RNs that have, they're clueless. Yeah. And so I'm sorry. I feel for you because you went through it yourself. And then you also said another thing, migraine also, when you were talking about um, effects and what migraine also is typically on one side or the other of your body, your head. So mine is my right side.
1: Mine is my left.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So that's another sign. It's different than a headache um, as far as symptoms of migraine. So, you know, there's, those are things to look for as well.
1: I'm so glad to hear you're, you're doing that program for nurses. I remember, um, I'm lucky that my parents took me serious and and advocated. And, um, I remember I got a migraine at school in high school, got sick in the bathroom and I knew that that was going to be the nurse's reaction that I wanted to get out of math. And I was like texting my dad and like under the desk, like, I have a migraine. I'm sick. I need you to come get me. And he said, just go to the nurse, honey. Like, and I'm like, no, just dismiss me. Like my older brother was in the school. I'm like, just, just have him drive me home. Like dismisses both. My dad's like, no, just go to the nurse and they'll call. And I'm like, please, please just dismiss my brother and let him drive me home. And my dad was like, go to the nurse and have them call me. And I went to the nurse and they're like, maybe if you just lie down for a few minutes and then you can go back to class. And I had to fight with them and say, let me like call my dad, call my dad. And finally he had to fight on the phone that I needed to be dismissed and he needed to come pick me up. I think he also wanted my brother to stay in class and not get (laughs) both of us out. But it was just kind of like the battle I had to go through after already being so sick and the fluorescent lights were just like, I couldn't even like see to walk myself to the nurse's office and just knowing that I wasn't gonna be believed, even fighting with my teacher to get to be able to go to the nurse um, when I was really sick. And so I'm glad that we're doing that education because I think that's so important. Um, and I know that my parents even fought and like had a doctor's note on file. And like I, at the beginning of each semester, I would tell my teachers and like, they often wouldn't get it, but it was still kind of like trying to advocate and tell them. So that way, when it did happen, it would be a better situation. Um, and so I'm lucky that I kind of had people in my corner trying to start that advocacy journey. But I think the more education we can do and the more we can spread and talk about it um, and explain that it's more than just a headache and that it's real and we're not making it up um, is is really important. So the last kind of question to to wrap this up, you mentioned a lot of different avenues and I know that there's different walks all over the country but what other things can folks do to be advocates for migraine? Um, so if you're not experiencing migraine but after listening to this, you you wanna do something, you wanna help people, what can folks do to kind of help spread that awareness and be advocates? Uh,
2: well, first is if you do have migraine um, is not being afraid to talk about it. Um, Things simple to be an advocate is if you have, um, a shirt that says anything about migraine, wear it. People will, people will stop and ask you, are miles for migraine shirts have walking brains on them? So a lot of people will say, Hey, what's the, what is that? And it, it gives you a chance to talk about migraine. So, um, I encourage people to not be afraid to talk about it. Don't be afraid to advocate to to your physician either. If you um, think something's wrong and not right and they're doing something that you don't think is correct, make sure you step up for yourself. And don't be afraid just because they're the physician. They might not always be right. You know your body. Um, And then as far as um, someone that doesn't have migraine, say your family member or your friends, Um, they can do the same thing. Um, What's crazy when you think about one in four households of migraine, typically someone knows someone that has migraine. And you'll find that out when people start talking about it. So if your friends or your family members or anyone hears anyone talking about migraine, if they can jump into a conversation and talk about it too, it's just bringing more awareness to our disease. Um, if they can participate in events with you, say our miles for migraine walks, um, they can participate in it with you. They can help raise money, anything that, you know, will help advocate for the, the disease and it's fun. And um, every $5 counts. People, that's what people don't understand is You don't have to give me $40 or $25 or even $20 advocating is really simple, really simple. I mean, it's as simple as wearing a hat, a t-shirt, um, and not being afraid to do it.
0: I have to say for someone that I don't suffer from migraine, but I have learned so much in this time span and even knowing Allie. Allie and I went to college together and I had no idea that she experienced this disease. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have to say like power to both of you. Like I can't even imagine experiencing chronic migraine and still trying to push through in my day. Like that just takes so much energy and courage and drive and I'm like it's like mind-blowing to me that right now we're having this conversation and both of you could more than well be going through a migraine. I'm just like Do to do in my own world. Um, But I I think there's plenty of people like me who don't know what this looks like or doesn't know what it feels like. But I think hearing the stories and hearing more about what Miles for Migraine does and um, just hearing more awareness of this disease and how we can all be better educators and advocators for it. I think for me, I'm already very bought in because I know people who are experiencing it. So I'm like, I'm all here for it. But I, I think that there's more of us out there that could be. Also behind this, if we just had more awareness for it. So I'm hoping that anyone that listens to this episode, anyone that comes across miles for migraine, um, really dives into all of this information and takes it and runs with it and, and also lifts the voices of those who are suffering from this as well. So okay. thank you. Both thank you. A- yeah. A- to say. <laughs> Thank you. That's
2: awesome. And, um, miles is our website and, um, you know, check out all of our events and things like that. And, um, and I didn't know you guys went to college together, so you must be, you must be very good at, you know, forging through. <laughs>
1: Yes. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for coming on and chatting with us and helping spread awareness. Um, We really appreciate all the work you do. And thank you for telling your story. Clearly, we're all doing the best that we can.
0: (laughs) True, true. Thank you for the opportunity. Of course. And for anyone else out there who would like to share their story, if you're also suffering from migraine too, we can just start our own little support group here as well. Um, feel free to email us at at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at bestwecanpodcast and on Twitter at bestwecanpod. We have new episodes that drop every Tuesday.
1: And remember, you're doing the best you can and your best is good enough. Bye besties. See you next week.